What's up, everybody? It's the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, and it is Thursday night. Our big preview ramp-up show is with you now, and we had the aftermath earlier this week. We've had a lot going on, a lot to get to tonight, including a preview of the big matchup against the Patriots on Christmas Eve. We're oh so close to 2023. The Bengals, depending on what happens a little later this evening, could clinch a playoff berth already. I'm Anthony. He's John. John, what's going on, bud? A little bit different than last year when it came down to the, to the wire. wire, right? <laughs> when that when yeah. that Browns game was about to mean something in yeah. week 18 for the first time in NFL history. But no, it's been a very incredulous, what, six weeks now? This is like the longest win, winning streak in franchise history going back to the 2015 team. And I think a lot of people would say with consensus that that team is not as good as this one, not as well-rounded. Not, there's not as much confidence as there has been in a Bengals team in quite some time. So good times around the holidays now. Good times around the holidays for sure. And the Bengals are oh so close to getting that playoff berth. And the good news, John, is, yeah, they have a lot of work to do, but they control, they largely control their destiny in terms of a division title, maybe even the one seed. Depending on how, how things play out, uh, they would have to win out, obviously beat the Bills and do all kinds of different things. But they are in largely control of their destiny. And we've got a couple of different things um, that uh, we'll talk about. And one of which is maybe the best path. Is there, is there a, a little bit of a divisive topic? Is there a, a best path for the Bengals potentially going forward? And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. You'll see what we mean. We've got a little bit at the end, a little uh, nice Christmas surprise for the Pollock Family Foundation. I'm uh, represented for uh, David Pollock, former Bengals linebacker. He joined us a while ago. We've been collecting the YouTube Super Chats. I know some people have been going to give, send, go. We've got a really cool update on this. Um, so, uh, and then we, we gave a little Christmas gift and we'll update you on that. And then of course, for big donors and, or, uh, we'll have a drawing for some of the people who have donated. Um, there'll be some special stuff in, in store for you all as well. But first things first, John, we've got to get to some news before we talk about the Patriots, before we talk about the Bengals March to the playoffs, because a couple of big things, some nice things have occurred for the Bengals this week. Um, I guess we can wait on the injury report. Do we want to wait on the injury report uh, as we preview the Patriots towards the end? Is that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get to the good news first. Okay. Let's get to the good news then. The good news is that the Cincinnati Bengals, in case you have not heard, they've got a few pro bowlers. Now last year they had a bunch and they did not play in the game uh, because the, they made it to the Super Bowl, So they did not play in the game. And uh, so here's the link pinned in the live chat for folks here. Three Bengals, Joe Burrow, Trey Hendrickson, and John, unveil the third for me. Jamar Chase, Uno himself. Yep. So they all made it. A little bit surprising, I guess, on some fronts that Chase made it because he is uh, – he is – He's missed a little bit of time, but obviously yeah. when he's out there, he is dominant and whatnot. Hendrickson, a little bit of the same thing. He's been banged up a little bit this year. Not the same gaudy numbers as last year, but still doing a lot of things and kind of on some of those, you know, deeper stats, not not necessarily the tackle sack numbers, that sort of thing. More like pressure, some of the under the surface type of stuff. He has been dominant. Uh, I would I would venture to guess that Chidobia Wuzier probably would have made it had he kept up his pace and this team would have kept up the winning ways had he remained healthy, but he did not. 
Uh, of course, Joe Burrow, who has been on a tear uh, since those first two games, really has been on a tear since he's played well. So all three in in, in ways, I, I would say very deserving, even though there's some injury stuff going on there, all three very deserving. Um, and then John, do you think what, what kind of slights do you think could have been done here against the Bengals uh, in terms of Pro Bowl snubs? Yeah, we talk about this every year about, oh, what goes into Pro Bowl voting? You know, how are these people making these decisions? What criteria are they going off of? And at least from my experience, when I vote on the Pro Bowl, the stats and numbers that show up on the ballot for like linebackers, it's tackles. For any defensive lineman, it's sacks, obviously yards for the skill position players and whatnot. So it's it's still the very basic archaic stats that people use. And I feel like that more or less dominates how this voting process goes like nick bolden a linebacker from the chiefs he i think leads the nfl in tackles he's nowhere near one of the best six linebackers in the nfl but he made the pro bowl because primarily because of that and that's more or less why you have guys like dj reader and jermaine pride who have arguably been the defense's best two players this season not even you know come close to starting the pro Bowl. i believe reader is a fifth alternate pratt is not even amongst the alternates so he doesn't have a chance to play in that game, but I feel like those are the two that Bengals fans are feeling most disrespected about. And this is just natural with Reader. Like he missed pretty much half the season so far. His tackle numbers were never going to be anywhere close, or his sack numbers were, weren't going to be anywhere close to the league leaders at defensive tackle. We all kind of like to clown PFF grades from time to time until it kind of suits our own agenda. And PFF watches every game, every single snap, and they recognize that DJ Reader and Jermaine Pratt, for that matter, have been two of the very best players at their position and I think when you when it comes to Chase and Hendrickson yeah it, it is a bit surprising but Chase is a very popular player amongst you know the NFL fans and players alike so he's been really good in the games that he has played and with Hendrickson when you dive into the PFF numbers he's seventh amongst AFC edge rushers and win rate and I believe top six in pass rush grade too so it does make sense even if his stack numbers are a bit down it does and a guy that really I mean he makes essentially a handful of impactful plays per game, um, whether it is an actual sack, whether it's a big pressure causing something, a quarterback hit, that sort of thing. He seems to make um, an imp- a more than one impactful play per game and heavily impactful plays per game. And it's good to see that, you know, people are kind of recognizing, you know, he is a big key to the team's overall success. And, and obviously that defense is getting a lot of credit for everything that they do against, uh, you know, against the opposition there. So some good news there. You can check out that article on Cincy jungle. And um, you know, there's, there's a couple of others. I, you know, I think you could, you could put T Higgins in there as a guy that, you know, could, could have potentially been, been eligible there. But, you know, when you talk about putting two Bengals receivers in, in the pro bowl, you know, I don't know how that works out. And, and then of course, you know, a couple of others on the defense there, but um, yeah, I mean, overall pretty, pretty fair, I would say. And uh, probably the three, as you look across the board, the three most recognizable names um, from the Cincinnati Bengals roster as, as you go to the masses, I suppose. So that makes sense in that regard. Um, I mentioned this at the top, John. And we'll, again, we'll get to the injuries in just a second. But the Bengals tonight, later tonight, as we record here live on Thursday night, the Bengals could be gifted an early Christmas present depending on... The Jacksonville Jaguars. I was going to say like their old friends, the Jacksonville Jaguars, but there's not like the, the the love like between the Bengals and the Bills and, you know, some of these other teams that the Bengals seem to have these these nice little relationships with here and there. But, um, yeah, the Bengals could be eligible. Essentially, if, if the Jags win on Thursday night, the Bengals are in. And if the Bengals win on Saturday, regardless of the Jaguars 
result, say the Jaguars do not win this evening, then the Bengals, uh, you know, if they take care of their own business against New England, it seems that they would be in there as well. Yeah, it's it's completely control your own destiny at this point. The Jags can only get in by via a division title as the fourth seed. They can't go any higher than that. They're competing with the Titans in that regard. And the Jets right now are looking at a potential wild card spot. And if they lose tonight, then I believe that takes them out of playoff contention or whatever the case may be. But I would I would say for Bengals fans, and obviously this is now in the past for listening to this tomorrow, but I would be rooting for the Jets in this game because I think if the Jets are the seventh seed and the Bengals could potentially be a two seed, I think a lot of Bengals fans would take that uh, matchup in, in the wild card round. So, I mean, the Bengals are probably they have a 99.9% chance of making it. This game ultimately doesn't really matter in that sense, but you want as weak, you, you want as many weak teams as possible to fill out those wild card spots. And the Jets... Yeah, I mean, either Zach Wilson or Mike White, I think they could have confidence that they could beat either of those two. Yeah, and then, you know, you look at both conferences, really. Um, there, There's a lot of weak teams that are fighting for playoff spots at this point. I mean, you know, you look at teams that are kind of – and I guess that's what comes with the territory when you add in that seventh playoff uh, spot and that third wild card spot. You know, you've got the Packers at – what are they right now? Six and eight. Um, they're alive. you got a lot of teams, you know, well, uh, below 500 that are alive or at 500 that are alive. You may get a team at nine and eight. You may get a team at, you know, eight, eight and one. You may – I mean, there, there's all kinds of stuff that, that could happen. And we have seen, even without this new playoff format, we have seen teams – I remember the old – what was it? The, the seven and nine Rams one year with Sam Bradford and I think also the Seahawks one year. Uh, I think that was the game against the Saints maybe – um, that they they got in with a, a subpar record. So, I mean, it happens, and it all de- depends on how a division plays out. And when you look at the Titans in, in the AFC South, particularly when you look at that division and the Titans on a real skid, really, since they lost to the Bengals, um, you know, now that division's wide open, and that's uh, – or maybe not wide open, but it is, you know, it's open. Uh, and, the, and the Jags are, are kind of getting hot of late, so we'll see what happens as they take the field tonight. It's a two-horse race, like you said. It's the Titans and Jags, and I think everyone in the AFC would prefer to have the Titans in there because Ryan Tannehill is probably not going to play for the rest of the season with that ankle injury they suffered earlier in the season. He re- he re-aggravated it, so he's not going to play. The Titans' uh, SB Nation site also was talking a lot of smack after the Jags uh, beat them and then was talking trash and like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter because we, the Titans, are going to be in the playoffs and you guys aren't. I don't know about that now. It seems like the Jags are, are heating up at the right time, and I don't think I would want to face Trevor Lawrence right now with the heater that he's on. You know, it's kind of cool. I mean, I, I don't want to make this about, uh, you know, a Jaguars podcast or anything like that, obviously. But, you know, I mean, it's pretty cool that you, you're start, starting to see a little bit of a trajectory with the Jacksonville Jaguars that is resembling a little bit of the Cincinnati Bengals. Some free agency moves, some spending of some money, um, and some of that money to veterans where people go, wow, you paid that for that guy, you know, that sort of thing. And yet it's paying off a little bit. You shed some contracts off of the books that, you know, were initially popular players. And then you say, no, we're, we're going there. We're, you build through the draft a little bit, of course, starting with the cornerstone guy and Trevor Lawrence took some lumps, you know, kind of early in his career. And all of a sudden now you get the offensive minded head coach and Peterson, uh, not a first-time head coach like Zach Taylor, but a guy that still has uh, yet to prove himself in some ways in the NFL, some ways, some not, you know. And then, of course, you know. Didn't he win a now, Super Bowl? Well, that's why I said some ways, some not. He won a Super Bowl, but uh, was unceremoniously exited sure. from his role. And then you look at, you know, you just kind of look at that team, a team that, you know, has had some modicum of success 
in the past, but it was a long time ago and, you know, kind of flash in the pan seasons here and there, and they've been down and out for the most part of recent, recent uh, history. And now here they are kind of taking a little bit of a path and a page out of the Bengals playbook, how they build things. Yeah. I mean, it's just the right fit. And we almost saw a disastrous beginning of Trevor Lawrence's career when he was under tutelage of the worst head coach in NFL history. So it really does matter the fit between quarterback and head coach and the Jaguars have that right now. It it does. Uh, anyway, we're not we're not here to talk about the Jags, but we are definitely interested to see how they perform this evening, uh, be it Thursday evening with everything going on there. So we'll have to get uh, keep our eyes on that. And lastly, John, this is just a little bit. Um, I don't know that I'll pull up an article or not because every single article I want to pull up on this thing because it's not on Cincy Jungle necessarily. It's just kind of NFL news. Um, for those who watch and or have the Sunday ticket package. Now, where I live, I I basically need to have this to be able to watch the games live. I don't get many unless the Bengals play in prime time and or, you know, kind of have a marquee matchup. And now that they're winning games, so there's more and more on kind of, you know, your regular CBS or, you know, CBS or Fox or that sort of thing. Now, though, Sunday ticket is moving from DirecTV in a $2 billion annual deal and going to YouTube now so that streaming services the the subscription services that people get from multiple platforms and whatnot it's going to youtube and what better time to subscribe to the orange and black insider Bengals podcast channel on youtube with this announcement john but uh i mean i don't know if you really have any thoughts about this but it is big news from an nfl standpoint and many folks who are Bengals fans kind of live around really the world and they may get that sunday ticket package through direct tv and have to probably make a pivot next year yeah, I mean, I have always been intrigued by Sunday Ticket, but I never considered even remotely getting DirecTV for it because I didn't want to get DirecTV. Now that it's free from the shackles of DirecTV, I am a little bit interested to see if I want to get YouTube TV as a whole or just the separate uh, Sunday Ticket package that comes. Like, I, I think there there is something of like a separate like package where you just get Sunday Ticket. So I'm interested in that. I guess the one concern is when you go out to bars and restaurants that had Sunday ticket through DirecTV, what are they going to do? How are they going to show yeah. all the games like they used to? And I guess they have to figure out the logistics with that. But for the consumers like you and me, definitely great news. It is. And just real quick, I mean, you look at this, the agreement is for the 2023-24 season. It looks like it's going to be from there out. And then, you know, there's a standalone a la carte option on YouTube primetime channels or an add-on package to those who subscribe to YouTube TV. And I have noticed, just to your point there, John, that, um, you know, some of the restaurants and bars on occasion when I've gone to uh, to watch like on Thursday night when the Amazon when Amazon's been streaming it this year, uh, a lot of places have seemingly kind of hopped on that with the prime video option. So mm-hmm. hopefully they, they hop right on this. Anyway, let's talk some more bangles here. And I don't know if you want to call this a state your case before we start previewing the Patriots and all that kind of stuff. Um, I don't know if you want to call this a state your case. I don't know if you want to call this. Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of different stuff you could you could call this, but you know, there's obviously the best path that we can all agree that the best path is the Bengals went out and in doing so they get the number one seed. Now there is maybe a potentially unpopular type of sentiment um, that that exists, especially if the one seed now the one seed obviously goes out with any loss. But you know, you kind of looked at. Some of these teams, you know, the, the the New England Patriots, they went undefeated. That uh, what was that? Oh, oh eight, I think. Um, they went they went undefeated 
all the way through until the Super Bowl and lost that big game. Um, you've seen other undefeated teams, you know, and maybe it's just made a bigger deal because you've won so many games in a row that domino falls and whatnot. Uh, you know, you, you kind of try and do that. But there's obviously the old school mindset of, you know, in a loss, you learn more um, about your, you know, you and and you learn about people's character, how they handle a loss instead of how they handle a win type of thing. Um, and so, you know, there's now the Bengals are riding a six game win streak. I don't want to put this dark cloud over the Christmas Eve and Christmas Eve game and whatnot, talking about a potential loss or anything like that, especially with the way they won last week. And you want to try and see them. Hey, let's let's buzzsaw through the bills. Let's do all this stuff. But is there any wisdom or any scenario in your mind where you go, you know, let's just say the Bengals get into this role where they're now, you know, seven game win streak, eight game win streak. Um, does a, because what you're then asking, let's say they win out, they get the one seed. You are then asking them to potentially win another three games in a row. So you're asking double digit wins in a row to end the season, which is very difficult to do, particularly with the injuries piling up and whatnot. So, uh, I guess I would ask, I would ask, you know, is there a scenario in your mind or some sort of thing in your mind where you go, you know, maybe a, a one loss in the regular season, obviously not in the postseason, but a, a regular season loss somewhere here to end the year might actually do this team good. Um, and if they don't get the one seed, you know, if, where you have to win out towards the very end of the year, maybe you are also able to rest a week or two, some of these starters and heal up for the postseason, And that provides a benefit kind of playing devil's advocate with this one, but just a thought that kind of came across my warped brain this week as the Bengals charge towards the postseason. No, you're playing the numbers just like Luke Knoll did uh, last week when he commented, like um, it's really hard to win 10 plus straight games in the NFL, including the postseason and Emperor Starscream. I agree with you in the comment section. The Bengals already have like a ton of character building losses already. And feel like to me, I feel like last week against the Bucks, the fact that they went down 17 points in the first half, got their butts kicked in. Even Zach Taylor said like, you know, we kind of needed that. It, it, it hasn't necessarily been easy during this uh, six game win streak and the f five previous wins weren't easy as well, but they haven't been dominated like that since I guess the Cleveland game. And they had all three receivers out there. They had a defense that could compete against Tom Brady and they just had no answers for 30 minutes. So the fact that they had something like that, I feel like that almost takes in place of a loss. And when it comes to the, the statistical probability of winning that many games in a row, I feel like just winning the Super Bowl is hard enough. Like, I don't know how much harder it would be when you when you look at the odds and the probability and all that to just win however many games that would be eight or nine straight games to close out the regular season and then win I guess three consecutive playoff games if they get the one seed or four if they end up going into the into the divisional round it's hard enough to win those four or three games in January and February you're playing the best teams it's the biggest stakes obviously everything is involved to to me to me though like the fact that it's already at that level of difficulty I don't know how much harder it would be to just stack on the seven or eight consecutive wins on top of it I feel like to your point like just the the feeling of losing or being outmatched at a certain point of a game is is already enough to the point where it's like you don't necessarily need like a full-blown loss on on your record that would you know prohibit you from being that coveted number one seed so I think the value of being the number one seed and winning out still trumps um, that that mental, I, I guess, roadblock that you're talking about. Uh, but I think I do think it th does make 
it does make some sort of sense. It's just hard. It's already hard enough though to win four or three straight games in the in the, in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, essentially, how you're asking what what we are asking if the Bengals were to absolutely run the table and go all the way through the postseason at this point. I believe by my count, this would be seven this weekend, eight would be against the Bills, nine would be against the Ravens. And then if you get mm-hmm. the one seed at that point, you're talking about another, what, three games, right? Divisional uh, championship and Super Bowl. So you're talking about a 12, 12 game win streak at that point. Um, so, I mean, that's that's a that's a lofty, uh, lofty thing to ask, not saying it can't be done, but it's a lofty thing to ask. And I guess to kind of contradict myself and in one point is if you get the one seed, you would have that buy to potentially rest everybody at that point anyway. Um, so, I mean, there's, there's multiple ways to look at things, right? I mean, you could just say, Hey, just keep riding that momentum, keep riding that momentum. You want, you don't want to, you know, you want to keep carrying that into the, into the postseason. And one of the things too, you know, John, that I've just seemed to notice, we talked about it Monday a little bit with this quote unquote bulletin board material, you know, Tom Brady's made kind of a tongue-in-cheek comment a little bit about the Bengals' defense. We've, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Eric Reed, the Chiefs, made the comment about, you know, Hurst and Higgins and didn't really know guys' names and all that kind of stuff. They took that to heart. This is a team that plays pretty well with its backs against the wall and or kind of a chip on its shoulder and all of that. I don't know that a one seed, uh, maybe they'll continue to have that, but I, I don't know that the one seed would pr- still provide that chip or that that man, we've got a lot of stuff to prove still because national media still aren't talking about us. Um, I, I don't know that just uh, this heavy win streak and all this kind of stuff, unless of course you win the Super Bowl and do it all. But I'm saying as you get to the postseason, I don't know that that chip, as big of a chip, still exists as sometimes when some of these talking points, bulleted board materials provided to them going into a game. I got to be honest, man. If they, if that's the reason why they aren't able to carry this momentum because they're succeeding too much, it's kind of an indictment on them. Like at some point, if this if this group were to turn into what I think a lot of us want it to be, like a dynasty of some sorts, right? If they if they were to become the next Brady Patriots, then they have to be getting used to being the favorites at some point. Like with with Jordan, with Kobe, with LeBron, whatever competitor you want to like add, like they will find anything to get them motivated to get them ramped up just the extra one percent like even just the word fairly was enough to tip off that entire defense and and spur, spur them on for a second half surge so i think the greatest competitors do end up finding any way to get fired up even being the favorites there's always someone that's going to slide you and i think honestly when you talk about the Bengals and just the media in general i don't know if there ever there will ever be a point where they will get over the stigma of being the Bengals. I think multiple Super Bowls w- would be the only thing to because get. Because it's the Bengals, right? Exactly, right. Yeah, like even, if, yeah. if, even if they win a Super Bowl, even if they won the Super Bowl last year, I think there would be a lot of people that would have been like, can they repeat it? Even if they won, like they made it that close, and if the offseason was still covered and littered with re- with talks of regression. If they won, I don't think many things would be that much different just because of the nature of how they won it. So I think it would take them multiple Super Bowls for them to be these favorites to get the, the Chiefs treatment to get the Patriots of, the, of old treatment so I think we're a little bit ways away from that uh Rio solid with a with a solid comment right here I think the Bengals have had a chip on their shoulder since the last loss of last season that is uh probably pretty accurate Emperor Starscream just getting right into my cranium right there we all have old Bengals PTSD I know I do so maybe that's where this is stemming from the good news John is that 
I think a lot of us would feel regardless if they're charging through the postseason and charging through the regular season and win after win after win, we're, we're pretty confident. And a loss at some point in the regular season would have us still pretty confident in terms of where this team is headed, what this team can do once getting into the postseason. Obviously, if a loss were to occur, we want it in the regular season, not <laughs> the postseason. Um, that is Captain Obvious there. But uh, just just a, a little a little talking point, a little food for thought, because, man, I mean, it's just it's hard to run a table in the regular season. It's hard to run the table in the postseason. Last year, I mean, they almost did it four straight games. Um, you know, they really had to charge into it. Obviously, they lost the last game, but didn't play anybody against the Browns there in the regular season. But went on a late season surge. It was a little treacherous how they got there, but they did it. And it uh, looks like they're they're heading there now, riding a six-game win streak. You know what? Shout out to Matt Minnick, who's told the story many times on his own program. I believe he even told it on this uh, program when he was a guest. But he was a he is a Patriots fan, or he was a Patriots fan because he lives in Rhode Island, and he was watching with friends that that last game of the 2007 season when I think they almost lost that game, but they kept the 16 and 0 season still alive, and everyone in the party was like, "Oh my God, this is great! They're they're going for perfection." And Matt was the only one who's like, "Oh my God, like they they don't know like how to win, right? They they're so used to winning, they haven't had that bump in the road that he from that moment he felt like he, they didn't." they weren't going to win the Super Bowl because they just experienced too much success and they didn't have any sort of adversity. I think the difference now is that because of the losses the Bengals have had early in the season, because these wins have definitely not been easy, because they've had to overcome a lot of things on their own, I think they can handle the, the, the success that comes with this winning streak. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge... That takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a... 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. What a master of the segue you are, good sir, because we are talking Bengals Patriots, and you mentioned Matt Minnick and his great show, and that show can be found on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, along with ours, Bengal Jim and Friends, everything is on the Cincy Jungle Podcast channel, so go check that out, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the above, you can subscribe to that channel, leave us a review if you could, we appreciate it, we're trying to give you a handful of things Per week, even with the holidays, we're trying to get you a lot of different material to cover you for the Cincinnati Bengals on this show and on the channel. Of course, you can get this show on YouTube. We have now eclipsed uh, 6,000 subscribers, which is pretty dang awesome. Uh, And if you want to join that, now that YouTube is taking over Sunday Ticket, you got to get in with YouTube more now. 
subscribe to our channel beneath john there is the icon if you are watching the video whether it's live or after the fact right underneath that sb nation cincy jungle icon you can click our orange and black insider icon subscribe click the bell to be notified when we go live when new content is available we're bringing out a lot of different stuff and of course memberships are available thank you to michaela and others who are recent members we appreciate you and of course all of your news opinions analysis podcasts etc can be found on cincyjungle.com as well well, John, let's uh, let's talk about this thing here. Christmas Eve, no rest for the wicked here. Uh, Bengals gotta get. And here's here's the tricky thing with this one, and we'll talk about the health here. I guess that's probably where it, it's the best place to to start. Um, you know, short week, two road games uh, on that short week, pretty tricky, especially when you're going up against Bill Belichick, who I'm sure is just in a jolly good mood for Christmas, based on what happened with his team last week. He seems so done, honestly. Like. <laughs> It, it is it is hard to gauge like the psyche of Bill Belichick, but he knows this team is not very good. It hasn't been very good since Brady right. was good, like before twenty nineteen. Like you, you don't expect him to blow up, but I I just can't imagine what was going through his mind when Jacoby Myers threw that ball to oh, Mac Jones. Oh, oh, so I, I, like oh. e- e- even if they won, they lost. Like I feel like Bill is just he's just who he is at this point, and and the old on to Cincinnati verbiage like that was 10 years ago that's when like I feel like he had some semblance of confidence in his team to turn it around I don't think that exists at, at this point for him uh yeah I you know and he's just ever pleasant behind the microphone old old Bill but yeah I mean that that was pretty unbelievable what we, what we witnessed with the New England Patriots last week against the Las Vegas Raiders and of course I don't know if poetic justice is what you want to call it, but Chandler Jones, the former Patriot, absolutely trucking Mac Jones on the way into the end zone. You know, it's one it's one thing to lose. It's one thing to lose on a fluky, weird play like that when you are seemingly headed to overtime. And it's another thing to lose by a former player trucking one of your <laughs> other players. It just was like this emotional trifecta, I assume, for Belichick, the Patriots, and their fans for sure. Anyway... Here is the injury report. We will pin this in the live chat here. The most recent one. Uh, this was as of yesterday. Do I don't know if we have a newer one today. We do have the updated one on the site. Okay, yeah. let me let Drew me pull that it. up. Okay, let me put that up. Then this was yesterday's. Uh, but but get at us here, John. What what what's the latest? Yeah. So there are four players for the Bengals who are questionable, and two of them seem pretty confident that they're going to play. The other two, it's more of a wait-and-see situation. And I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that Trey Hendrickson is not Mm -hmm. any one of those guys who are questionable. There was a report from Paul Daner Jr. earlier this week that said there was internal optimism, that Hendrickson had a good chance of playing this week. And sure enough, he was limited on Tuesday and Wednesday and was a full participant still with a healing broken wrist on Thursday's practice. So he is all good to go for Saturday's game. He still has the broken wrist, but the reasoning behind him playing is, I think, quote, to quote him, it can't get any worse, according to the doctors that he talked to. So he's just playing through pain. There's no risk of re-injuring or making it any worse. So they're going to be cautious of it, but he's going to be out there, and I don't think there's going to be any limitations with him. And so you have questionable Jalen Davis, who hasn't seen much playing time this year. Hayden Hurst, who has um, and is nursing a calf. What is with the calf injuries this year? It seems to be right. something that is, is a new Drink one your this milk, year. Guys. Yeah. Come on. Yeah, stop cramping up. Let's go. Um, Hayden Hurst uh, with the calf injury. He is questionable. Cam Taylor Britt 
uh, kind of said, I think it was Zach Taylor who had said he thinks he feels pretty good about him coming back. It looked pretty bad last week, but that might have been a stinger situation for him. And my guy, Jay Tufele, with an illness, um, normally you would probably say, hey, looking pretty good. You know, usually the guys suit up with the illnesses, but on a short week and traveling, that kind of throws a, a wrench into that whole thing. Um, Higgins is, uh, after the hamstring stuff, he's been practicing full, which is good. And then Hilton had a full practice on Thursday as well, which is huge. Obviously, I would assume that's the uh, the last one there, really, uh, maybe a walk through Friday or whatnot, but uh, the last one on a short week there as you play on Saturday. You see Collins getting that injury rest, uh, not, you know, non-injury rest, rather. Uh, you mentioned Hubbard. Same thing with Reader as Collins. Um, and then you see there Davis has the thumb, Hendricks in the wrist, and then Higgins hamstring. He's He went limited on Tuesday, full practice, two days in a row. Hilton going full on Thursday. Hurst going limited throughout the week, which is a better sign. I don't want to say it's a good sign, but going limited throughout the week is, is a good sign. Taylor um, going limited throughout the week with a – Trent Taylor, that is, uh, with a hamstring. Taylor Britt going full on Thursday after that shoulder issue. Um, and then Tufele did go full on Thursday but didn't practice Wednesday. I would assume – if you're asking me now, based on full practice, full practice by T- Taylor Britt and Tufele on Thursday, I would say those two are probably going to play. Well, probably coin flip on Hurst and Davis at this point. Probably Hurst might be a little bit of a game time decision, depending. That's just my uh, my two cents. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that. No, you're right in line with Zach because he more or less said we'll see with both uh, Hurst and Davis. I mean, Hurst has missed the past two games. He was set to... Missed two or three, so this falls in line with that. Uh, with Davis, yeah, it was more. It's, it's a tricky injury, the thumb. So, um, I, clearly, it's not healing the same way as Tyler Boyd's did. So, that's more or less up in the air. But everyone else, like Mike Hill and Neil Apple, being back is great. You don't want to have too much experience against cornerback at cornerback there. And Cam Taylor Britt's interesting to me because there was a report that. It was more than the stinger, but I think most people, and including himself, are saying that it is a stinger, so hopefully it doesn't get any worse, but it might be something that he has to deal with for the remainder of the season, but a testament to his toughness for sticking it out and potentially playing the rest of the season with it. And, of course, you look at the master of utilizing ambiguity on the injury report, Bill Belichick, with, like, six questionable guys of 10 total people on there. <laughs> uh, one of which is Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, he was involved in that last play, I believe, last week against the the Raiders. You talked about Myers as well, also involved in that. They went limited all week. And then uh, Jonathan Jones, the corner, uh, limited with a chest injury. Tyquan Thornton, a wide receiver, limited as well. All questionable there. So you've got a few out. Devontae Parker being out. Um, that provides uh, a, a little bit less of an issue with the Bengals. That was kind of a scary – I don't know if you saw that, John. He kind of got slammed to the turf and got up and was woozy, and nobody really saw it. And I think it was – was it Nelson Aguilar maybe? Or who was it that uh, kind of came to his rescue a little bit and kind of called out trainers and halted things to get get him out of there once he he was exhibiting concussion signs? Yeah, never never an ideal situation, but shout-out to whoever it was that, that did that. Unfortunately for the Patriots, yeah, no Jalen Mills means uh, Marcus Jones will continue to start and at quarterback and at quarterback another rookie just like Marcus or who's who's the wide receiver Thornton the rookie out of Baylor he's been starting yeah. in for Devontae Parker so two rookies playing very important positions and also Patriots don't have their long snapper this week so they have to 
scramble to find what's that like like yeah i mean yeah, i can't possibly <laughs> mean anything right so yeah yeah um so okay let's let's get to this game here john uh, you know i have some questions out to uh one of the great great contributors over at pat's pulpit um and then of course we're going to publish those probably tomorrow i would assume once we get the the answers and all that kind of stuff but um uh, you know the the thing is i i don't know Wait, what's your take on mac i i can't i can't figure it out i mean it seems as if the record is somewhat indicative of his play, which is kind of like 500-ish, maybe a little bit better. And there are times when he's efficient. There are times when he can make some big plays. And there are times where he is just super pedestrian. And that's just kind of my mile-high take of the situation. And I don't think – I don't want to eat crow here. I guess I will be happy to if it happens. But I don't. I don't think he's the biggest threat this week to the Bengals based on how their defense is playing and based on the quarterbacks they have faced already this year. I think it's other elements. Yeah. I think he's just the most like average quarterback in the NFL, maybe because for every good throw that he has, he has an equally bad throw to counter out it. That's been the story for the entire season. It goes beyond just the touchdown reception ratio of seven to eight. The Pat, the Patriots don't have any real threats at receiver aside from what Hunter Henry and Nelson Aguilar. And if those two, are your best guys, then you you have some issues. I, he never really wowed me in college, to be honest, either. And the, the, the whole idea of him going like third overall to the 49ers seemed absurd to me. But I'm starting to think that Kyle Shanahan can, could have made Mac Jones like a pro bowler at this point if he's getting this production out of Brock Purdy. So maybe maybe that would have been the dream scenario for Mac Jones to go yeah. into that offense with a bunch of speed and skill, skill positions and a great offensive mind. Instead, he went to the Patriots, who now have a defensive coordinator calling plays on offense with very little talent around him so he doesn't seem to be thriving under the circumstances and I don't really blame him for that considering he was always more of a limited quarterback but yeah his development has been stunted this year based off of everything that's been going on around him and for every good play that he has it hasn't uh, translated to another good play coming back and he missed uh, a handful of games early in the season Bailey Zappi got some run and there was a conversation about the, the Patriots should go with Zappi like a Tom Brady mm-hmm. Drew Prolezzo mm-hmm. situation all over again but then Mac came back he was barely doing anything in his first games back and he's been he's had some decent games like he really popped off against the Vikings um no, well that's more or less been it so yeah it's been <laughs> it's been the running game let's be honest with you uh, okay so it's been the running game that's that's kind of where I was going next because I look at this game, John, and I'm like, you know, obviously the, the the Patriots win games. They've got arguably the best head coach ever in the NFL still on their sidelines. Um, they're in the playoff race. But when I look at the roster, I go, what what truly kind of scares me about about this team? And it's almost the thing that, that I, I guess would scare me about this team if, if – and I, don't, I guess I use that term loosely scary, but it's really just coaching and the ability of these coaches to make you play number one, a game you don't want to play if you're the opposition or number two, create scenarios that where you, you step on your own feet, right. And you create, you create errors, unforced errors and uncharacteristic errors that that's kind of to me, because I, I feel like, that's where this team with some of the limitations at wide receiver, the limitations at quarterback um, you know, it's, that's where they're going to try and feast and and give them the best opportunities. It's going to be Judon off the edge, potentially getting you 
you know, some, some big plays there, by the way, he was blanked across the board in stats. I'm talking pressures. I'm talking everything last week, tackles, sacks, pressures, quarterback hits, goose eggs. Um, so I, I don't know what's happening there. Regardless, that's a guy you gotta, you gotta w- watch out for. And then of course, Stevenson and what they do on the ground. But, um, you know, it, it's really almost just kind of play a little bit of, mistake-free as much mistake-free football as possible to keep this one in your grasp i talk about who scares me here's the, here's the take the patriots have a pro bowl edge rusher in matt junon and i don't think he's their best one you know this might be the matt minnick show because matt minnick championed josh uche coming out of michigan yeah. a couple of years ago a lot of people pegged him as a bengals target because he was the size of a linebacker who could potentially fill into that role or develop into that role when the bengals needed a linebacker no he's an edge and he's an undersized edge, but he's a damn good one. He's winning on 23% of his pass rushes. He doesn't have as many sacks as Judon, but he's getting after the quarterback better than most other guys in the AFC right now. I think he's just behind like Miles Garrett and Jalen Phillips in terms of pass rushing grade. He scares the crap out of me, especially because he's going up against Jonah Williams, who Jonah has been phenomenal in some weeks and then really off against really great edge rushers. And Uche is the guy that can get under his pads and whatnot. And Judon, even against Lael, like, we need to have a conversation about Lyle Collins, to be honest with you, because I don't know if it is just his back issue, but some of his reps in these games are as bad as Russell Bodine, Billy Price, and we're not really talking about it because it hasn't really burnt them. But you have two guys on both edges who have a combined like 20-something sacks this year, and that has been an issue for the Bengals this year. Like When they have to deal with dominant edge rushers who can finish these reps, it really stunts their offense. And then you have behind them two really good safeties Devin McCourty is still doing it like 40 years old but uh Kyle Duggar next to him he's been one of the best young safeties in the league this year so even without their best and most physical cornerback in uh Jalen Mills like their secondary is still beginning the job done because they have two guys on off the edge that can get after it so it's very very odd to me in terms of the tackle play by the Bengals when you talk about Collins and uh, uh, when you talk about Collins and Jonah there, I, it seems as if, you know, for the most part, it's, it's okay to pretty good, but you know, there's the occasional, whether it's a superstar like Garrett, or it's this, the little bit smaller, little bit more agile, a little bit more athleticism type of guys that give them fits. You saw Tryon last week, a guy who's, you know, not that, not the miles Garrett physique, but has some speed and agility and whatnot. He gave Collins some fits. Um, you have seen, I mean, I remember back in the days of Whit- Whitworth would blank guys like Suggs and all kinds of stuff, but the, the littler guys, the Doomervilles and what Elvis Doomer- Doomerville and whatnot, those were the guys that uh, when you're a bigger guy like that, it can give you some fits because they can get around you a little quicker. They can duck under your blocks, that sort of thing. And and I, I kind of feel like, at least with Collins, you're seeing some of that, that athleticism, the smaller size, the speed getting getting to him a little bit. And, you know, Jonah, I, th- I will chalk up a lot of his struggles that we've seen this year to probably not the best knee, given the situation that he, you know, the bad injury he had against the Ravens. But, um, I mean, we've just, we've seen that before from him, regardless of whether it's this year or prior, you know, he'll go on a stretch where he's playing really well. And then there's a game or two in there where you go, oh my God, what the hell just happened? You know, so um, it's something to, to, to look at. And that's probably where the Patriots, you are right. That is where they're going to hang their hat this week and try and make Burrow uncomfortable off of the edge. And so what do the Bengals do to counter? Run game? Probably. Like, the Patriots, I think they've been without Christian Barrymore for a while now, and he's been he's 
probably their best defensive tackle. So the, the middle of the Patriots defense is definitely not as strong as the exterior. I don't, I don't want to like rag on Jonah because he's clearly been the Bengals best tackle this year because mm-hmm. of just how unfortunate Lael has played. Like it's so apparent that they're dealing with these issues because they're splitting out Lael like considerably wider than they are for Jonah on the other side. And sometimes you do that when you, you, when you can do that, like Trent Williams has a very wide split because they just trust him on an island. With Lael, they're doing it because he has he's having issues just mirroring guys around the edge who can you know turn the corner like that. And even then, it's still been inconsistent because he can barely generate any explosion off out of his stance. So now you have a guy like Judon who is finishing his pressures more than anyone else in the league. He's got some inside counters that Bengals sh- sure as crap know about, like. Um, he had success against the Bengals offensive line in previous years when he was with the Ravens. Now this is like his first or second year with the Patriots. So he has familiarity with Frank Pollock's scheme and everything that goes with that. So how the Bengals manage with L, like either giving him help off the edge with a guy like Mitchell Wilcox or maybe Devin Asiasi, who, I mean, that's a former Patriot. That's a potential revenge game right there. So they have, they have to come up with some options if this gets out of hand early on, because these two pass rushers are really dangerous. So, uh, I mean, where, what are we thinking on this one in terms of a, um, you know, in terms of, of some, uh, we talked about some key players we've talked about, you know, what the Bengals may need to do here. I mean, what, what are you thinking in terms of how this thing plays out? Um, cause we're running up against it here and what do you, I don't know. How, how do you, the Bengals are four point favorites. So I think four, four and a half point favorites going into this one on the road against Bill Belichick. So that's that all in itself is super surprising. So, um, you know, I don't, I, I, I tend to, I'm kind of of the mindset, like, you know, I've been hesitant to, to pick the Bengals and with their favorites and all this kind of stuff. And I've tried to find reasons where it's like, no, nah, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. I'm kind of now at, at the point where I'm like, I'm just going to pick, pick the hot hand, which is the, the Bengals. And until it fizzles out, I'm I'm done. You know, what I mean, like I I just then then I'll, I might change my tune. But it's so hard to pick against them, especially with how we saw what happened last week. I mean, this is a game the Bengals should win. It just seems like things can get kind of funky, and they they sure, certainly did last week against the Bucks early on. But the Bucks came out with a, a fantastic defensive game plan, and they switched things up on offense. I don't think the Patriots have the coaching on offense right now to really fix some of their issues i think it it more or less just has to deal with if mac is just good that day and the Bengals have been playing well enough defensively to limit any quarterback so i I don't see like a second half mac jones comeback in in store for the patriots but their run game is good and they major in these counters in these these wham blocks these misdirections that typically do well against bare fronts and the Bengals still like to do that with their base packages in, in terms of run defense. So I think, you know, Ramon Ramondre Stevens Stevenson, he can have a good game against the Bengals defensive line. Their offensive line is still really good. I like the interior with David Andrews and Michael Anu when you, I believe I'm saying that name right. I probably not Cole strange is another guy left guard. So their interior offensive line is really good. It's going to be a good matchup with DJ mm-hmm. reader. It just seems like, you know, short week, like you said, Weather's probably not going to be great. There's a cold front just going all across the country right now. It, it, it seems like a very low-scoring game to me just because I don't think the Patriots are going to do well offensively. And I think their defense has some of the players to limit the Bengals' offense for most of this game. So I still think the Bengals should win. So I'm going to go Patriots 17, Bengals 14. 
I, lo- I love the the subsequent YouTube comments we get, uh, by the way, or or just in general, the comments on the live streams after. What John didn't. John didn't you say? John didn't you say? Blah 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 blah. Uh, they just they don't get it. They don't get it. Uh, I, you know, I'm gonna go like I said. I, I guess I'll go to like something like twenty three sixteen. Um, kind of one of those just eh, ugly type of games. You know, both teams kind of maybe not moving the ball at, at its best, um, at their best rather. And so I just. I don't know. I, I, I see a Bengals win. I will I will take that. Maybe they do cover here. Uh, 23-16. It's just, you know, what the Bengals defense is doing, frustrating teams. I I don't know. I, I It just, you know, you hold what Brady to six, six garbage points in the second half uh, on his home turf last week after being up. That's just crazy to me with a lot of guys out of the lineup. So, I'm just kind of done doubting this team until they, they prove me wrong and prove me, prove me otherwise. So, that is our take on this show. All right, so let's get out of here. We we dropped the mic and we like to talk about some stuff. What do you got for us, John? I've got something special that I think our listeners will be interested in just a second, but you kick us off if you would, good sir. Nothing more than the thank you. Like you said earlier in the show, we surpassed 6,000 subscribers. I believe last week I, met, I forgot to mention it earlier this week, but I wanted to mention it and to rehash what you said earlier. Thank you guys for continuing to stick with us for the growth of the channel. We know that you have so many other options with Bengals content creators. It's been and good a ones. growing, booming industry in the past year and a half. Yeah. So thank you for your continued support and uh, happy holidays to you guys. Yeah, I appreciate that. And I will echo that sentiment as well. So many of you know that we created this and I will put the URL in the um, live in the live chats here, uh, Pollock Family Foundation is the nonprofit, and of course, it was spearheaded by David Pollock. He joined us right before the season started, uh, talked about the Bengals, talked about his time with the Bengals, his devastating injury, and uh, it was a really, really awesome interview. And a guy that was supposed to give us like 10 or 15 minutes and gave us like 35. So, uh, awesome guy, awesome cause. This is something that obviously, um, that started with him and it's, it's kind of been a thing that's been in his home area of Georgia, Atlanta, that sort of area in terms of who, who it benefits and whatnot. Well, we've done a deal, obviously give slash Pollock family foundation. You guys answered the bell and we have just kind of slowly collected funds over the past. Now they have a lofty goal because they are trying to make this a more national thing. And so what we are doing here is we're going to keep this going we're going to keep this going for them, and this site's going to be active. So at any point, if you want, and we're going to continue to uh, you know raise some money for it and promote it and everything with it. Um, so they've got a lofty goal of 35000 because they've got a lot, of, a lot of things. But I would venture to guess we've raised $3,363 through YouTube cha- uh, Super Chats, through various donations, direct donations from Bengals fans as we pointed them to this site. Um, there may be a couple in here because they're anonymous that may have come from others. You can see here, we just submitted a $650 donation right before Christmas here um, for on behalf of the show and on behalf of the listeners. Uh, most of that was from our listeners through the super chats that we've been collecting over the past couple of months. And then we added some more funds to it ourselves to add a little icing on top of the cake here. You see anonymous donors of a thousand bucks. Um, you know, there's people that have Orange Arrow that have donated, um, that listen to our show and whatnot, and people have referenced um, Orange and Black Insider and whatnot. So, and you can see here, campaign created by Bengals, Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. So, I don't know that every single dollar of that $3,363 is 
responsible but from us and our listeners, but I'd like to think that a, a good chunk of that is, if not most, and uh, we're going to continue to uh, help them out, give them prom- uh, you know, promotion, awareness, provide awareness and whatnot. So we can't thank you enough, and we provided hopefully a nice little Christmas gift here towards the end of the year to the Pollock Family Foundation. So thank you, Bengals fans. Your generosity are is is incredible as we all know you've helped out stuff with us before whether it's the ken riley foundation anthony muñoz foundation ken anderson alliance all the all the above you've helped us out before and uh you know we've we try and raise a lot of money and i know a lot of people like Bengal jim and whatnot raise a ton more money than we do but we try and do our part help out things particularly as it pertains to current and former Bengals, and we can't thank you all enough for making an impact here I'm not an accountant, but I feel like Mr. Whisperer was responsible for at least yeah. 1,800 yes. of that 3,300. Yeah. So <laughs> Mr. Whisper's got to, he's got to hit us up with, with his uh, info uh, via email, the obinsider at gmail.com, because in counting up some of the recent funds, it's unbelievable how much he has given. Now, many others have given as well, and we appreciate that. So Mr. Whisper, we're going to do something nice for you specifically, and then we'll have some other giveaways that we'll do maybe some random drawings or whatnot for some of the others. Um, but we wanted to kind of round up some recent funds here, give this there. Uh, and, and again, we've got about $3,300 here on a an account that we kind of started to support the Pollock Family Foundation, not where they had uh, <laughs> had the, their initial lofty goal, but uh, we're getting there and hopefully we can kind of keep chipping away at that. Yeah, thank again. Just like Anthony said, thank you guys. Anyone who donated anything, it means a lot to us. It means a lot to David and his foundation. It's a season of giving, and you guys have done that and then some. So thank you guys. Yep, absolutely. Happy holidays to everybody. Merry Christmas coming up here. We'll be back with a post-game report. Yes, even on Christmas Eve, we'll be doing that. And then, of course, we'll be back the following week to talk more Bengals that week and uh, get you some more Bengals fix and we'll see what happens tonight with the Jaguars and how they fare on Thursday night football as well as the rest of the league and what the Bengals do on Saturday on Christmas Eve for their playoff chances. John, take care, bud. Have a good Christmas, my friend. Christmas, Hanukkah, Festivus, whatever you guys got. Whatever. Whatever you got. (laughs) Take care. (laughs) 